He was a young preacher in China. He led a small group of believers who they, they secretly met in houses to avoid being imprisoned. This, this pastor had just been released from a three-year prison sentence for preaching the gospel message. As he returned to lead his, his small group of believers, he was approached by a little old lady who attended his church, and she simply asked, will you come home and pray for my son? As any good pastor would do, he said, no, I don't got time for you. Just kidding. <laughs> That's messed up. He, he went, of course I'll go pray. And as this little old lady took him to this sick and dying man, when he walked in the house to see him, he was taken back by the man he was fixing to pray for. You see, this, this sick and dying man was one of the prison guards who for the first year of this pastor's three-year term would daily twist his arms behind his back and force him to put his head into a hole in the center of the cell where these inmates used the bathroom. And this same sick and dying man would spread human waste every day on this preacher's breakfast so he could not eat. So this pastor is taken back and standing at a crossroads, what will he do? And this pastor decides to do what God would do. He prayed one of the most sincere prayers he could ever pray. He prayed that God would completely heal this young man. That is a righteous man. When you think of walking in righteousness, you would think of this young preacher who put aside everything that had happened to him and acted as if Jesus Christ would do. That is a righteous man. Righteousness simply means doing what is right, obeying the law and adhering to morals. That is a true story. It happened a long, long time ago, but it is a true story. That book's called The Insanity of God. If you ever want to read a book that just is gut-wrenching, read that book. I listen to it. It's, it's like a 12-hour listen, but it's amazing. It'll keep your attention the whole time. So tonight, we're going to get into the book of Psalms. And tonight, we'll simply call this title, Let's Take a Walk. Psalms 1, 1 through 6, the heading of it says this, The way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and, his, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings Forth fruit in his season, his leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I'd like to be like a tree planted like that. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's take a walk in the book of Psalms. It matters the counsel we listen to. A pastor has said this many times that you're, you're usually the average of your five closest friends. And if some of your closest friends are the three stooges, well, you in trouble. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. I've heard this question asked, can we change a defining moment? Scripture would repeatedly tell us we can. You see, over time, we can change our defining moment by allowing ourselves to be changed by God's word. If we think about it, each of us must have a defining moment of change. For scripture would tell us in Psalms 51 and 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin, in sin my mother conceived me. If we don't have a defining moment, well, there's probably only one hotel you're going to check into when it's all said and done, and I'm pretty sure it's not the Hotel California. A good place to start is in the book of Psalms. This book is aimed at the transformation of the soul and dedicated to aligning our whole self with the will of God. In an effort to begin this transformation, if you and I really want to change, we need to really take a look at the book of Psalms. It tells us about a blessed man, and that blessed man is remembered for one Things. Simply, he's remembered, he delighted in the law of the Lord day and night. He fell in love with the word of God and the ways and the laws of God. We just spent a whole series on falling in love with this book. You and I, we have a good head start. The first part of this we're going to look at is, is this word blessed, right? We all kind of, we, we have a pretty good idea of what blessed means. And in common speech, it, it, it could be taken to mean something like living the good life. When we say, man, that's a blessed person, each and every one of us, we, we think of someone, right? There's someone out there that just seems like they've got it all together and things are going good for them. We, we would consider them blessed. But this word blessed, it has a religious meaning that goes deeper. There, there, there was a friend of my dad's back when I was young. I remember um, as he said goodbye, most of us would say, oh, have a good day, see you later. But he would always say, be blessed. And, and, and at being young, I didn't quite understand. I didn't get it. It, just, it was just kind of odd. But now I think about it, I'm like, that's really cool. I wish I would have thought about that. Be blessed. Why? What is he saying? In the biblical language, an amplified explanation of the Hebrew term would be something like this. Be the object of God's affection and attention. Think about that. Be the object of God's affection and attention. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence, you and I, by being blessed, by walking righteously, we can be the object of God's affection and attention. That should excite us. That should drive us to want to fall in love with the word of God and to delight in the law of the Lord. We should walk with our heads held high and our shoulders back, knowing that when we are walking in righteousness, when we are blessed, we are God's 
we got God's attention. We, we are the object of his affection and attention. Now, that should not, never, never, never give us permission to be arrogant or to be rude. But we should sure know who we are. We should be proud of who we are. We should be proud that we are children of the most high God and that he pays attention to us and that he knows and takes into consideration everything we're going through day in and day out when we are walking in righteousness. But please don't ever get to a place where we're too arrogant or too good to help or to to minister or to give a lending hand to anyone around us. So let's move into the second, the second word I would like to take a look at, and it's simply this, this word, not. Seems kind of funny that we would take a few moments, waste a little time on this word, but it's interesting that the first sentence in one of the greatest songbooks ever written defines a blessed man by what he does not do rather than what he does. Kind of, kind of, kind of, it just kind of jumps out at you, and and. I remember growing up, people would always say, oh, you go to that church and you can't do and you can't do and you can't do. But the reality of each and every one, we can do what we want to do. There's no one holding a gun to our head, making us do anything. We choose to do what we do. We choose to live this way. We choose to, to, to act this way. We choose to have relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we, when we choose not to do something, it's not because we can't. It's because we know we are trying to be pleasing to God. Once again, a blessed man's guidance does not depend on worldly knowledge. That's why they ask the question. That's, that, that's what they, the, 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 the people that don't have a relationship, they, they just don't quite get it. They don't quite understand it. They can't wrap their heads around it, why we would choose to live this way or, or why we wouldn't do those things. But they just don't understand. That's why we need to get them here on Easter so they can feel the power and presence of God and experience what you and I have experienced. You see, the counsel he heeds, the path he follows, and the office he occupies are not limited to people or things on this earth. We must understand that a, a man walking in righteousness, a woman walking in righteousness, his direction comes from on high. A blessed person is defined first by what he does not do because in saying no to unrighteous voices, he is, he's saying no to his own wisdom. We understand that if we just try to rely on what we think and know, we're in trouble. We might as well keep our three stooges as best friends. But a blessed person, a righteous person knows and understands that we, we, we need direction from God. That is why we are here every Wednesday night being fed the word of God. We know we need direction. And in the day and age we're living in, we need the word of God and direction more than we've ever needed the word of God. The second part of this verse, the, the counsel of the ungodly. The word ungodly in the book of Psalms usually referred to people who act without the fear of God and who take advantage of people who are weaker than themselves. We live in a day and age where if you want to climb the, the corporate ladder of success, it's, it's do whatever you got to do. Run over whoever you need to. Just get ahead. But you and I, we must understand, we don't need to run over people. We just need to trust in God. And God will bless us and elevate us where we need to be blessed and elevated to. And when, and when these people take advantage of, of, of those that are weaker than them and less fortunate, uh, they're breaking the royal 
law, to love your neighbor as yourself. To listen to, to, listen to the counsel of such voices is to be drawn back down into a world of shadow and blindness. It's like listening to a man wandering around in the dark, not knowing the true danger that's in front of him, yet giving you advice on how to get there. It just doesn't make sense. So we got to be very careful not to listen to the counsel, not to take advice from those that are ungodly. It matters. It matters who we listen to, who we surround ourselves with. The, the, these, these ungodly, they do not know or understand the real world. They act as if all that exists is, is what's in this present moment right now. And, and that's all that really matters is what's here and now. What a mistake. What a mistake. The, the, the Bible talks about a man's life of 70 years, and if he's a good man and it's a good life, maybe 80s. That's such a short time compared to eternity. We got, we got to get out of this mindset that it's just the here and now and in, 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 the, in the five years ahead of me, in the 10 years ahead of me, in retirement, and then, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then 80s. No. We have to be focused on where are we spending eternity. And the ungodly, they just can't grasp that. They can't understand that. They can't wrap their minds around that. That We're just on this world for a short time. What is the scripture, the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If this world becomes our home, we have no hope. It's, it's, it's going to be a lowly life. It's going to be a miserable life. We have to understand that we are living for an eternity. An eternity in heaven with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Be careful, the counsel of the ungodly. Standing in the way of sinners. Variations of this phrase, the way, were often used in ancient world to describe the, the practice of a religion, lifestyle, or philosophies. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll read that scripture and it's like we're standing in front of them trying to hold them back, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying it, you're, 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 in the, you're, you're living a lifestyle as of a sinner. Uh, before our own faith was called Christianity, it was called the way. We would see that in Acts 9 and 2. The way of sinners most likely refers to the practice and lifestyle of sinners. Practices are usually predicated on a person's beliefs. Practices are usually predicated on a person's belief. If we believe one way, we will eventually begin to bring our practices or our actions in alignment with those beliefs. If you and I believe that the world was going to end tomorrow, would not some things change today, right now? Some of us would be at an altar right now. Some of us would go home and drag your family here to try to get their hearts right. Some of us would go home and hide and hope Jesus don't find you. But our actions, they usually come from our beliefs. Sinners are people who habitually trespass upon others and upon their creator. Ouch. Sinners are people who habitually trespass upon others and upon their creator. They do this because they have too high a regard for their own rights, preferences, and comforts, and too little, too little for those of others. 
the third part of this Psalms, sitting in the seat of the scornful. In the ancient world, chairs were not common. Meals were usually shared while sitting in a reclining position on the floor. Thank you, Jesus, that we moved past that. How many of us would have got on the floor and never got up? <laughs> the only people who generally sat in chairs were rulers. If a person was sitting in a chair, it usually meant that that person was in charge. For instance, in the Bible, God is almost always said to be sitting upon the throne, and his angels were always said to be standing, never sitting in his presence. We see that in Luke 1.19. To sit in a seat, then, is to be in charge. Are we thankful that we know Jesus Christ is seated on a throne? He is in charge? Yes, sir. If a person is sitting in the seat of the scornful, or mockers, you could call them, then that person is in charge of the mockers. That is, those who ridicule holy things. I don't ever want to be a mocker. I don't ever want to ridicule holy things. We, you and I, must be careful that uh, we, we, don't, we don't ridicule, we don't talk about leadership, ministry, church. You didn't care for how it sounded. It was too loud. It was too quiet. There's too many different opinions in this place, y'all. We're never going to get it right week in, week out. But it's not for us to criticize or mock. If you have to tell somebody, if you have to get it off your chest, go to an altar, find your prayer closet, and just tell Jesus. But don't be a mocker. Don't get caught up in that, ridiculing holy things. We good? It's Bible study. It's where we learn and grow. We all right. Let's take a look at this. This person, he went from being a novice, listen, he was listening innocently to the counsel of the wicked people and being gullibly entrapped by slick salesmen to being the ringleader of those who entrap the young and gullible. If a person starts on a path of listening to ungodly, that person will eventually join their ranks and become, and become one of the people of Psalms 1 that we're talking about tonight. Where it ended is not where it started. You must be careful. When we begin to make excuses and say, oh, that's just nothing, that's no big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Because it never stops. Satan is never satisfied by just taking one little thing from us. He's going to take and take and take and take. It, it, it's, just, it's just who he is. It's, it's his personality. It's in his DNA. He's never going to give us blessings and rewards. He's always going to take, 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 take. He's very selfish. Must understand that. We must avoid the wrong counsel. This scripture says, walketh, standeth, then sitteth. Those are the three main verbs of verse one. Notice the progression. He went from walking to standing to sitting. In other words, there was extreme stagnation in the lives of the unblessed. Do you see how that scripture went? When he, when, he, when he rises from novice to veteran to ruler, he is simultaneously grinding to a stop in the business of life. Many broken men will testify to this experience. They were rising in the world of men, but at the same time, they were spiraling down in the important areas of life. 
They became corporate kings, but at the same time, men without homes. Let us not be so foolish to get caught up in the wrong counsel. There will be red flags along this walk. When you begin to see stagnation in your righteous walk, you better stop and reevaluate the counsel you are taking. And, and if, if you just, if, if we were to get real tonight and really think about it, it is, it is the honest truth. When we start to struggle, when we start to let people talk into our lives, that's just, it's just, it's just going completely against where our church is going, where we're headed, what our pastor's preaching day in, day out. You will see, you will slowly start to slow up your walk. Your pace will go. The church is always moving forward. I've said this over a year ago. The church is continually moving every day. It's never going to stop. What happens is we just slow our walk. And then all of a sudden we stop. And then all of a sudden we're sitting. And before you know it, the church has went three miles ahead of us and we're in the same spot. Why? What happened? We got stagnant. We stopped. Red flags along the way on this walk of life, this, 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 this walk of righteousness. Be careful who you're taking counsel from. Be careful who you're letting speak into your life, uh, on your life, on the, some of the biggest decisions of your life. It really matters. Now that we know what a blessed man is not, that is what a man who is the object of God's attention and affection is not, let us consider briefly what he does do. See, Scripture tells us that, that, that a blessed man, a righteous man, meditates on the law day and night. The verse does not say he merely believes in the law. Neither does it say he merely obeys the law. The text actually says he delights in the law. You might ask, well, how am I supposed to make myself delight in God's law? I can't control my feelings like flipping a switch. You got a point. That's true. That's a fair question. But what we can do, we can influence our emotional response by our habits. This is where the work comes in. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Good job, Debbie. There will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. You may ask, how, how do I treasure the word of God? Our time is our greatest natural treasure. We will give up money before we'll give up our time. It's true. It's very true. It is very, very true. Our time is our greatest natural treasure. If we put our time into knowing the, and practicing the law of the Lord, we will be putting our treasure into the law. Our thoughts become our actions. Our actions become our practices. And our practices will become our habits. And then our habits will eventually, they'll, they'll eventually be reinforced by our emotions. Our emotions will then become necessity. In other words, a delight in God's word forms the same way 
other delights in life form. I was putting this together and, and I thought of this. It, it's silly to me, but this, this is how it made sense to me. Uh, during COVID, when we couldn't do nothing and everything was shut down, a couple of the guys at the church, they, they got into this silly game called disc golf. And, and they thought it was a good idea to chase a disc all around park after park after park. And when these guys started playing this game, you know, the basket's way out there, and they'd go to throw their disc, and it would go way over here. And every time they threw it the wrong direction, they'd say, I hate this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But as they practiced, and they began to throw the disc straight, and they began to put the disc where they wanted to, what happened? They began to love the game. The emotions got involved. And then as they practiced and got better, it became a habit. Now these crazy guys played all year round. They played in snow. They played, I think, one of the coldest days was like 8 to 10 degrees outside. And they're playing disc golf out in the cold. They couldn't feel their hands, but they were throwing a disc. What happened? It became a habit. It became Their emotions got involved. And all of a sudden... They were doing what they loved. It didn't matter. It's just like the word of God. If we just put some energy and effort into it and fall in love with it, it will become a habit controlled by our emotions. And it will be something we love to do, something we love to get involved in. Verse 3 tells us we will be like a, a stream planted tree, which means we will not be dependent on weather or the weather of the, the world for sustenance. A tree planted by the water, by the water where its roots can grow deep. Come the hot summer or the frigid winter, our nourishment will be reliable. The ups and downs that accompany every human life will not hold us hostage. When we are planted by a tree, when we, when we are walking in righteousness, it doesn't matter what happens in life. Sure, do we feel the effects of every trial, every struggle, every issue? Yeah, but our lives are not going to waver. Why? Because we know where our true help comes from. We know it's not about what's here on this earth, but our eternal salvation. While others are dependent on perfect conditions for happiness, our happiness springs from another source, an eternal source. That is so good. That's why through trials we can still smile. That's why as we mourn the loss of loved ones, we still can take joy in the fact that, that we just we have a God who's going to see us through it. We will never face a storm, a trial, a loss by ourselves. We have the king of kings at the mention of his name will be there to give us the help and the strength that we need. So we are happy because we know, not because we lost a loved one, not because we're going through trials, but because we know if we just continue on, we're going to get through. It's fail-proof if you and I will trust and continue to know where our source of help comes from. We will bring forth fruit when it is our time and be content to let such a season come in God's time. So good. There will be times that we're going to produce fruit. There will be time that we're just going to be rocking and rolling. And then there's going to be times we, we may not be producing much fruit. But we're okay. We just take joy in the fact that it, our season is coming. You see, we must delight in God's word daily. The blessed man is blessed because his sustenance and instructions are rooted in the eternal word of God and not in the temporal opinions of ignorant men. 
the word of God and the practice of the word of God lifts us up above the limitations, limited horizons of life in this world and lets us see life from a higher point of view. I, I, I tell so many people that are they're going through trials and going through situations. I got this from my pastor that sometimes you got to you got to be able to pull yourself up to a bird's eye view to really get a good grasp of what's going on. Don't get so caught up in the situation where every bit of emotion gets tied into it. We just have to get up to a higher elevation. That's kind of like what this is talking about. We just have to understand that every issue in life that we're looking above, we just know the maker of the world and we're going to be all right. We're not going to stay focused on what's down here and what's going on. Sure, we have to deal with it, but we just keep our eyes Look to the hills from whence come our help. The ungodly are not blessed. Sorry, peeps. It's just in the Bible. If you're ungodly, you got no blessing. See, it's, it, it, the scripture says it's like the chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is the light, useless material the farmer sifts from the wheat. The farmer will, back especially in, in, in the Bible times, the farmer would, as the wheat was brought in to the threshing floor, the, the farmer would take a pitchfork and, and, and they will scoop up the wheat as much as they can and they will throw it into the air. And, and they usually did this down by the sea. So it, down by the sea, it's always windy. You go to the ocean, you always, there's usually always a breeze. And, and, and as, as the farmer threw the wheat in the air, the, the wind would blow the chaff, the useless material, the stuff that's not needed. It would blow it away, and the grain would fall back to the ground because it was heavier, had some weight to it. But that's what this is talking about, that the, 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 the farmer, oh, uh, the chaff is caught in the wind and carried far away. Psalms 1 describes the ungodly as chaff, completely hostage to the forces of nature, the wind that blows when seasons change. The ungodly, they just, they're never stable. They're, 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 they're always going to be wishy-washy, wandering around, never never having, never grounded. Like, like the, the, the righteous were grounded, our roots are planted deep, but, but the ungodly, they're just, they just here to there. They're blown with the wind. On a good day, things are going to be good. On a bad day, look out, stay away. You don't want to be around them. Scripture says God will judge the ungodly. The wind is like God's judgment. As the wind determines the difference between wheat and chaff, so does God's judgment determine between the blessed and the ungodly. Everyone will face the wind. Everyone will face the wind. It's so true. But only the blessed will withstand the wind. The, the, the ungodly will be carried away by God's judgment. We should not merely think of his judgment as what occurs at the end of time. We know there's judgment coming at the end. But God's judgment will occur on, on, on a regular basis, even before we die, scripture tells us in Matthew 5:45, it's going to rain on the just and unjust. The winds of life are going to blow. There's there are God's judgments too. It's going to happen. Just because we walk with God, just because we're righteous does not mean we don't have trials or situations that we have to face. We're human. It's part of life. We have to know and understand that. We just have to know that 
God is going to see us through. And we are planted like a tree. And if we can trust the scriptures, if we can hold fast to the scriptures, when the wind blows, when you are facing the fiercest storm of your life, if you can hang on to the scriptures, I promise you, you will still be standing when the storm has passed. God watches over the righteous. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful that God watches over each and every one of us. We, we have no clue, no clue how many times God has spared us from accidents or hurt or situations. I, I, I hate telling on myself, last night I put my work van in a ditch like a five-foot drop-off. I should have rolled my van. Who knows what could have happened? I, I'm embarrassed saying it. Stupid move. Uh, but who knows what could have really happened? I call my boss. And I, I, he could have fired me, whatever. And all he said is, oh, okay, call a tow truck, get it paid. I'll give you my credit card. I'll pay for it. Come to work tomorrow. The blessings of God, the favor of God, the things of God. I'm appreciative of that. But there's so many times God has spared us from accidents and situations and things that could have been really bad. We don't even realize half the time. He watches over the righteous. The blessed man lives his life within the large horizons. Though the blessed one will not always feel happy, remember Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. The blessed one is never trapped in the prison of the present, fearing that what is happening now is, is forever. Or, 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 or it's, it's, it's the misfortune, it's this misfortune that's final. We understand it's just a season of life. Being blessed means living life in the light of eternity rather than by the dim lamps of the worldly mind or views. I'm going to say that again because it's really good. Being blessed means living life in the light of eternity. We just know there's coming a day. Rather than this dim lamp of worldly mind or view. If there's one single word that could summarize this person, it would simply mean they are blessed. You and I must come to a place where we just decide we're going to walk in righteousness. It's, 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 it's a decision we have to make every day. Every one of us. You, you don't get a pass one day. It's just simply every day. We, you and I wake up and we say, I'm going to do things right today. I'm going to be pleasing to God. I'm going to follow his ways, follow the laws of God, and I'm going I'm to live an, a moral, upstanding life every single day. That's just what we have to do. It, it, just because you've been going to church 20 years and you think you got it all together don't mean you don't have to make the same decision. Pastor has to make the same decision every day as someone who's just starting this walk has to make. It's an everyday decision we have to make. Everyone has a defining moment. For James, there were certain individual actions that could measure a person's whole character. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Oh, me. If, <laughs> if every person in here could figure this one out, we'd be a better church. We'd have better marriages. There'd be a better Quad City area. Quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Ouch. 
Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Ouch, James. We might think of these individual actions as samples, samples that reveal what lies in the core of our identity. We might refer to this as the royal law theory. The royal law, James said, we, we've said this earlier, is loving your neighbor as yourself. How many times do we get angry at ourselves? I bet we give ourselves a lot more grace than we give our spouse. <laughs> if we break this law and say, let's say we welcome a rich man who can bless us, but we keep at arm's length the poor man who cannot, we have broken every conceivable law. But if we welcome both, we have upheld the whole law. James taught that our true attitude toward Jesus is revealed in how we treat those who can neither bless or hurt us. James is tough on us tonight. It's Brother Painter who tells this story as I close. I once saw a man with three children worshiping in church. One child was holding on to the back of the pew and swinging back and forth. All the corners and the edges of this old church were hard wood or stone. And the child was just inches cracking his head what made Brother Painter even more anxious was the fact that the child's father was engrossed in worship, hands up raised eyes closed singing while the child came repeatedly inches from a trip to the hospital it was not long though before the father almost unconsciously started tending to the child he did the most peculiar thing he continued to worship but he worshiped with one hand behind this child's head. And as this child swayed, his hand swayed back and forth with her, never touching her, never letting her know that he was guarding her. He sang and he prayed. And without touching the child's head, his protecting hand moved back and forth the whole time. I said to myself, now haven't I just caught a glimpse of this man's soul? An unguarded moment when no one seemed to be watching. The father was capable of worshiping God and watching over his child's well-being at the same time. Had I just witnessed a man's defining moment? Had I just seen what a blessed man looks like? A man who meditated upon the Lord even while tending well to the gift God has given him. Would you stand with me? I want us to become a church full of blessed people. Let us become a church full of people who are the object of God's affection and attention. Let us become a church full of people who walk righteousness would you close your eyes bow your heads and lift your hands will you take a walk 
with me on this road, this path called righteousness? Would you be willing to let the book of Psalms during this series transform us? Would you be willing to let the book of Psalms align ourselves with the perfect will of God? If you would, would you, with your voices raised, make a commitment with me to Jesus Christ, our creator. God, I know.